Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball Podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. And today, I am joined by author and crime victim survivor, Paulette Buchanan. Paulette is now educating people on how to deal with things like cyber crimes, things like aggressive stalking and death threats, and the weaponization of the courts by stalkers and religious cult leaders. So we're going to be talking to her about her book and all that she's doing to fight the good fight and help others and educate others. So Paulette, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me as your guest. I appreciate that. Well, why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Well, I've written a book, learned a lot more about the law than I ever cared to learn. But basically, I recount basically a whole lifetime of abuse at the hands of my brothers, one in particular who has continued that abuse into my adulthood for really all my life. My other brothers have joined in with him, but he is the primary mover and shaker of the abuse that he has leveled against me, my husband, and really so many other people inside the family and out of the family, former friends, uh, our neighbors, uh, his former friends. Uh, It just, yeah, it's a real big problem. We just, the laws are on the books, but we can't get the laws enforced. And so I know by reading your bio, you've been through a lot in your life, but what what made you decide, okay, this is how I'm going to go about fighting back and and trying to educate and help others? Yeah. um, My brother is a limited purpose public figure. I'm not going to name him here, but anybody who looks at my website is going to see his name. Lawyers that we talked to way back in uh, the early 2000s told us, look, he's a limited purpose public figure. He's getting himself out there trying to get public trust, calling himself a ministry leader, a pastor, a business owner. He claims he's a professional photographer. And he needs to be outed. This is a public service. He is a predator. He is a public danger, really. And so he uses defamation in order to get people to feel sorry for him, to work up sympathy, and to dupe people into giving him money. That's a typical tactic that cult leaders in particular do, is they work up a false biography about themselves, and they they defame and lie against other people in order to portray themselves as victims. So for example, He has accused me of being a convicted child abuser, wanted fugitive, uh, domestic terrorist. None of these are true. I mean, I'm not. The irony is it's true about him. He is, in fact, he has records of child abuse in Connecticut and in some parts of Florida, I guess, and and Georgia, at least of child neglect. Um, And I've never been a terrorist. He goes around terrorizing people. He believes that Jesus has called him to go after his enemies, that kind of thing. So 
the lawyers basically said, you have a right to publicly defend yourself. He is publicly defaming you on these websites that he had up and on these uh, what used to be called chat forums. I mean, any form of social media. And we have actually, he has incited his followers. We've actually been harassed by his followers because they buy into his lies. And so we had a right to defend ourselves. I never thought I would ever write a book about my family or about any of this. I never thought this would happen to me, but he has sued me nine times. He sued his ex-wife probably close to a dozen times, basically weaponizing the court system, which is something that a lot of stalkers, a lot of very mentally unstable people do. Um, For a few hundred dollars, they can cause thousands and tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of damage where people have to hire an attorney And then they play with the court system by delaying hearings, going, filing for continuances, things like this. And so, again, we have a right to speak up about this. Our court system is broken. We cannot get the laws enforced. He has violated the laws. He's committed felonies. He has guns. He has been diagnosed for severe mental health problems. And we don't have a mental health system. And we cannot get the laws enforced. And so I encourage victims, just like the lawyers that we talked to, encouraged us. You got to speak up. You have a voice. Don't let them silence you. And especially in a situation where, like my brother, people are public figures. They have put themselves out there, such as cult leaders, things like that, put themselves out there for public trust. The public has a right to examine the facts about who these people really are. Name them. In some cases, people can't name their stalkers or abusers because they're not public figures, but you still have a right to speak about the problem. You still have a right to say, hey, you know, I'm getting the laws. These laws are out there. They're being violated and I cannot get them enforced. You will find a great deal of support because a lot of people are going through this. Weaponizing the court system is a common tactic used by abusers. And that includes individuals, but it also includes people like cult leaders. They don't want the facts coming out about themselves. And they will try to intimidate and silence their victims by doing things like filing lawsuits against them. And oftentimes they do it without an attorney. It's called pro se or self-represented. And they, they do this to try to terrorize and intimidate, weaponizing the court system against their victims. Well, let's talk about why you decided to write your book and and what you hope your readers will get out of it to empower them to make positive change. Yeah, my last chapter, Solutions, that's the name of my my last chapter because I'm I'm a solution-minded person. I don't just want to sit around and kvetch about my problems. I want to offer solutions and and well-thought-out solutions. And one of the things I encourage people to do, aside from speaking out, I mean, you could write letters to the editor, you could do it that way, but also contact your legislators and let them know what's going on. This is a human issue. It goes beyond politics. You know, yes, there may be some legislators who Republican or Democrat or independent, they may not care, but reach out to your state's legislators, whether they're your representatives or your state senator, reach out to other districts, representatives and senators, let them know that you have an issue with this. In our own situation, our our representative is quite frustrated, as he's told us, because he he just can't get movement on this. We're trying to issue bills, get bills passed and enacted into law that would 
require judges to basically do the duty and responsibility they're already supposed to be doing. And that is to screen abusive lawsuits out of the system, to dismiss them right there on the spot, like a previous generation of judges used to do. And they're not doing it. A lot of it just has to do with apathy. Maybe some of it's ignorance. Maybe they don't realize they have the power and the authority to be the court managers that they're supposed to be. But we're up against a very powerful public interest groups, the the Trial Lawyers Association and other attorneys and judges. If they do a bad job, they still get their paychecks, you know. So we are still trying, though. A lot of good laws have taken a lot of long time to get passed, and we are still plugging away at it. One of the lawyers, she's actually a lawyer for the Tennessee Bar Association. She's a liaison between the Tennessee Bar Association and the legislature here in Tennessee. And she's been trying to get some restrictions placed against abusive litigants as well. And she finally just said, you know what? Contact the judges directly. Let them know of your situation and, and tell them, you, you know, you need to be doing this from the bench. It shouldn't take a law to tell these people what they already have the right and responsibility to do. Tell the judges what they already have the right and responsibility to do. So these are steps that, that victims can make, that they can take, really. Set up your own website. There's, there are YouTube channels. There are any number of ways that you can speak your voice and, and speak the truth uh, to tell people what is going on. And you will find a great deal of support. Because there, this is such a big problem of our laws not being enforced against stalkers, against abusers, and that the courts are not doing their job to stop these abusive lawsuits when our abusers resort to weaponizing the court system. They need, the judges need to put a stop to this. And it's going to take people speaking up. You know, I'm just one voice but it's going to take people speaking up about this problem to finally put an an end to it. We do have good laws that have been passed over the last few decades to stop abusers from weaponizing the courts. We had one here in Tennessee. We contacted our our legislators and other victims had contacted their legislators in different districts. And we got the abuse of civil action law passed in 2018. Other states have also passed laws that curb abusive litigants. So we're still plugging away at it. We want to see those laws just kind of strengthened a little bit more. And I I encourage people, don't give up. It it can be very discouraging sometimes, but don't give up. Talk about the main targeted audience for your book. Who who are you targeting with with this book? You know, I've been asked that so many times. Obviously, I'm, I'm targeting other victims, other survivors, but I'm also targeting legislators, I'm targeting, in fact, one of uh, my endorsers was our state representative. I'm also targeting those in the legal profession, lawyers and judges. You got to know, you got to hear what the victims are going through, and you've got to respond appropriately to that. I'm also anybody in law enforcement. I'm really directing the book at them too. Both our state and federal legislators, though, they've got to see that these laws, we have good laws on the books. We've got to see to it that they put pressure on the courts, both in the civil courts and in the criminal courts, to enforce these good laws. So really, I have a sweeping (laughs) amount of people who, you know, the movers and shakers that can do something about this. The victims who we need to make our voices heard and the legislators who need to really crack down on the courts. You know, we have this, this system of three branches. We have the executive, who's either the governor or the president of the United States. 
we have our legislators and we have our state and federal legislators and we have the judiciary, the judges, state and federal. There's supposed to be a balance of power. When the judiciary chooses not to enforce laws, whether it's in a criminal case or in a civil case, they are violating the most key fundamental principle of our U.S. Constitution. And that is they are exercising way too much power and taking power away from the legislatures, which elected by the people, and the governor elected by the people. So we need to ensure that our other branches of government are cracking down on the judiciary and making them do what they're supposed to be doing. Well, for somebody out there who might have been through the things that you've been through, the abuse, stalking, give them practical steps on maintaining their sanity by going through it. Yeah, it's not easy to maintain your sanity. Um, As I've been explaining to to a lot of people, when you go through anything that's really life altering and, and downright traumatic, you find out who your friends are and you find out who they aren't. And that's true in any bad situation you go through. And I am just so grateful that we had good friends who have stuck by us. You need a support system. You also need to remind yourself you have value and you have purpose because that's one of the things that abusers try to do is they try to break you down. They try to make you feel less than a human being. And you need to remind yourself every single moment of every day and night that you wake up every waking moment You need to remind yourself, I have value and I have purpose, and I am going to fight this. You have to have a fighting spirit, and you cannot let these people beat you down, and you need a good support system. You also need to find good things to enjoy. You need to practice gratitude and kindness toward yourself and toward other people. And at the same time, you need to also be on your guard against people who would try to take advantage of you. Stand up for yourself. A lot of people just don't think they're worth you know, protecting themselves. Well, they are. Every human being has value and purpose. And you know, when people like my brothers, the one brother in particular, they lose their value and their purpose by their own choices when they become abusers. But choose not to be like that. And, and oftentimes when we get into a bad situation, we may want to lash out at other people. And there are plenty of mornings I did not want to get up, I tell you. But I told myself, no, this day is a gift. And I am going to live it to however full of day I can do. And I'm going to do acts of kindness for myself and for other people, for my husband, for our cats, (laughs) treating them well, treating our neighbors well, treating other people well, because everybody's going through something. It may be lesser than what we're going through. It may be greater than what we're going through. And a simple smile at a cashier that you may see is is really just hassled and just really in, in not a good way you can smile, you can say a kind word to them, and that will lift up people's spirits. Hobbies, get into something like crafts or something, take exercise, exercise classes, or just walk around your neighborhood. Whatever is is good for you to do, you've got to take care of yourself, good nutrition. That means a lot, making sure you get good sleep, just talking things out with people that you can trust with your emotions. And I do volunteer work find that to be so rewarding. It can be the simplest little thing that people can get involved with. Uh, We have programs in our area where during the summertime, especially, they help out with kids who come from poor families who cannot really afford much food. So they put together lunches for these kids because normally they would get their meals in school. And little things like that 
and practice gratitude. It can be a beautiful flower that you planted in your garden or a wonderful tomato that ripened in your, your vegetable garden, or it can be a piece of artwork. Anything that you can do to try to get your mind off of it, because oftentimes when you're going through a traumatic situation, that is the only thing sometimes you'll focus on. And you, you can't do that to yourself. You have got to get out and you've got to interact with people. And you've got to just say, you know what? I feel like bawling my eyes out and crawling under the covers. But you know what? I can't do that because that's what my abuser wants to have happen to me. I've got to just get on with the gift of living. And I am worthy of doing that. And I have value. And I am going to do that. That's If you want to think of it, that's the best revenge you can have against your abuser is living a good life. Well, and, and the court system gives some tips on how you can fight back against the abusive lawsuits in, in the broken court system where you can try to get as much justice or relief for yourself as possible. Right. When you are the victim of someone weaponizing the court system, first of all, most people have no idea what to do. Some people may think, well, if I just ignore this, because you know, surely the judge will see how ridiculous it is. You cannot ignore a lawsuit. The person who filed the lawsuit against you will get a default judgment and then they can attach your wages and they can also shut down your bank account. So you don't want to ignore a lawsuit. The problem when you have an abusive pro se or self-represented litigant, an abuser, basically, they don't hire an attorney. They file these lawsuits by themselves. Oftentimes they are just filled with defamation, which is what happened to us nine different times. It's very difficult sometimes to find a good attorney because many attorneys don't want to deal with especially an aggressive pro se litigant, because as we've heard attorneys tell us, what if he comes after me and my family? That's a legitimate concern because a lot of these people are severely mentally disturbed people and the attorneys recognize that. So thing you have to do is you have to try to find an attorney. Uh, you cannot honestly afford one, then you can look into assisted legal services and hopefully you will get a, a good attorney that way. There was one particular lawsuit that my brother filed against us. It was out of state and so it was out of jurisdiction. We actually answered ourselves because we followed sort of the example of the lawyer, what he filed before in the, the first lawsuit that my brother filed against us. But the other lawsuits we needed an attorney for. And I'm grateful that we had the resources, but I mean, we still... it. It has severely impacted us financially. And my brother knew that. He publicly admitted that that was the only reason why he filed these lawsuits was to cause us financial damage. But you have to answer the lawsuit. And there's somebody else I know who got sued by cults uh, because he told the truth. He outed them. He revealed the truth about them, documented evidence, police reports, other court records. And so these cults turned around and sued him. And one thing his lawyer told him was three important things you need to remember when you're testifying. Tell the truth, tell the truth, and tell the truth, because the truth is on your side. And judges need to be informed of the background of what's going on. Uh, the sad thing, and then it's a reality that a lot of victims of lawsuits find themselves, is that you do get unscrupulous attorneys. We've had two attorneys we've had fired from their law firms because they were just doing a horrible job for us. And we had one judge reprimanded. So, I mean, you do have these challenges. 
But you do have to let the courts know what's going on, what the background is, and do the best you can with fighting. These courts are, at best, you're looking at months, but in some cases, you're looking at years because the pro se litigant knows how to, like, at the last minute, file for a continuance. And unfortunately, many courts let them do that. Even if your attorney protests that, they still will give the pro se litigant extra time. So a lot of these lawsuits can stretch out over many months time, even years. And it's, it's draining. It's absolutely draining. But you do have to fight it. You have to fight it according to the rules of the courts. And uh, again, you should let your legislators know what you're going through. There's only so much they can do as well, because they're legislators. They're not judges. Some of them are attorneys, but they're not judges. And you do have to get a resolution in the court system. And hopefully you'll get a strong judgment. In our case, we got injunctions against my brother on both state and federal levels that he cannot sue us anymore without getting an attorney and without getting the court's approval. And he not only cannot sue us, he can't sue anybody else either because he has been shown, he's been designated as an abusive litigant. But oftentimes it does take going through that excruciating experience You feel like you're having to prove one plus one equals two all the time. And that's just, unfortunately, the deficiencies of our court system. Again, we are going to keep fighting this to try to get the judges to dismiss these lawsuits before they even get off the ground, because they are a waste of everyone's time and resources. Well, let's talk about, speaking of cults, let's talk about why people should be concerned about cults and religious fraud and how people can detect this type of activity. Yeah, unfortunately, cults are huge all over the internet. We live in a time where family breakdown, um, there's been, there have been so many incidences of violations of trust in the religious community. In, in Christianity, in Judaism, in Islam, uh, and just kind of like these Eastern cults where, you know, they, they, the leaders will promise to be your spiritual guide and they do something horrifically horrible, either to children or to vulnerable adults. And there's a whole lot of spiritual abuse going on out there. And so people will tend to try to fill the God hole, I call it, They'll get online and they'll try to find somebody out there who's saying the same things that they want to hear. Unfortunately, so many personages on the internet who call themselves pastors, who call themselves rabbis or spiritual guides or gurus or whatever the term they want to use, because they're using those terms, they get instantaneous trust. I mean, think about it. If you're in a room and somebody introduces themselves as pastor so-and-so, If you're going through a bad patch in your life, you may start to think, oh, well, you know, this guy's a pastor. This guy has a spiritual sensitivity and cares for souls. And you may start giving him information about your particular situation. You know, I'm going through a hard time. Maybe I lost my job or, you know, somebody died in my family and I'm really, really having a hard time. You start revealing parts to yourself. And if this is an unscrupulous person who, you know, maybe got a mail order ordination, they're not really a pastor. They've had no experience what all, whatsoever in getting an education, becoming a pastor or an ordained minister. This is where the problem is, is that they can lure you in with religious jargon. Oftentimes, these cult leaders, they are absolute psychopaths. They know they're lying. 
They know what they're doing is wrong. They know they would never want anybody doing these bad things to them. And yet they enjoy the power and control it gives them. They want to replace God in people's lives. And they are experts at human behavior. They look and they hunt for, they are truly predators. They hunt for vulnerable people. And unfortunately, the internet is full of vulnerable people, very lonely people. They get out there and they start talking to total strangers. I mean, well, you know, what our mothers used to tell us when we were little children, don't talk to strangers. It really does apply to the internet. And it is a sad thing. Um, I remember hearing one story about a woman who was standing in line at a grocery store and she was going through a tough time in her life with relationships, with her job. She was just at a real low point. And of course, you know, they have all these magazines, checkout counter and everything before you actually buy, buy your stuff through the cashier. And she's looking at this article dealing with finding meaning and purpose in her life or something like that. Well, just happened to stand behind her was somebody who belonged in a self-improvement cult. They're not always religious cults. They can be self-improvement. They can be political cults. And this person in behind her noticed the article that she was reading. And she struck up a conversation with her and said, well, you know, I I know this great group. They will make you feel so welcome and they will help you out with this and, you know, give you answers to life and kind of guide you and support you and everything just roped her in. And it took her several years to realize, oh, my goodness, I'm in a cult. They started little by little controlling every aspect of her life. Well, you know, your family's bringing you down. You, you want to not be around your family. Well, why didn't you show up at last week's meeting? Or you were 10 minutes late. You know, you can't do that. They use all different kinds of tactics, but they slowly, little by little. I mean, it's kind of like heating up a frog in, in hot water. You know, you start cold and then you just keep boiling it. And then that's what cults are like. They are predatory. They hunt down people. And it's about power and control. And they want to replace the concept of God in people's lives. Because if they do that, then they can rope people in for money. A lot of it, you know, money is one of the key factors of how people make their living is duping people with religious jargon. They make their money that way by by doing that. And the internet is infamous for that. So people really need to understand this. Cults are big on college campuses because, again, there are a lot of vulnerable people, you know, freshmen especially, in a new environment, new people that they're meeting. They don't usually have their usual base of support with their old friends back at their hometown. Nursing homes, cults go into nursing homes. They get people, persuade them to change their wills and bequeath their life savings to these cults. I mean, these people are predators and... You know, sometimes it sounds terrible to be so cynical, but you have to wonder when a complete stranger is being so extra nice to you, (laughs) you know, your alarm bell should go off to some extent and uh, check everything out. Be very, very cynical and check everything out. Well, what changes do you feel need to be made in the mental health system and why to be able to stop this type of behavior? Yeah, we, we really don't have a mental health system. That's the problem. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's all Ronald Reagan's fault. Well, actually, it goes back to Kennedy. He, in in good faith, he really did try to initially get a private mental health system going that was state monitored. His sister, John F. Kennedy's um, sister, had 
severe mental health problems. She was what some people would call either autistic or even like the old term mentally retarded. She had something mentally wrong with her and the family being wealthy, they could afford private health care for her. Uh, But Kennedy wanted to have that across the board for anybody of any economic strata that they would be able to get the mental health for themselves or their family members and using the state's commitment laws, get them into private facilities um, that were state monitored to make sure that they were being cared for because there were long history of some, not all, but some, many of them, state hospitals being horrible. A lot of it had to do with they just didn't understand the the, uh, the actual biology, if you want to call it that, the makeup of the brain, of what caused these mental illnesses, the genetics that goes into some mental illnesses like schizophrenia, depression, manic depression, what they call bipolar. So our mental health system was dismantled. By and large, the ACLU got in there and other types of groups say, oh, you know, these, these people have a right to be out on their own. And they persuaded judges and they persuaded legislators to do away with the commitment laws and do away with the state mental hospitals under the guise that it would save money. Well, you think of the costs and lives, you think of what the real costs are and having to hire more police and having to expand jails and having to clean defecation, urination off our public streets and and drug paraphernalia. We don't have a functioning mental health system. And unfortunately, many of these people, because mental health records are private health records, there's no amount of background checks that are going to reveal any of these these important things about these people. And so many of them get guns. And if they've had run-ins with the police, even sometimes police records that show that they have severe mental health problems, that they have maybe even been convicted of some crimes, oftentimes like what happened in in Illinois just recently. The police had records of this guy making threats to his family. And yet the police granted him a permit to get a gun. And and his father had to co-sign it and all that stuff. And the system has failed. And even what laws are on the books simply are not being enforced. But we need to have a private mental health system, much like we have private nursing homes that are state monitored. We have a lot of knowledge now about what causes some of these severe mental health problems. A lot of it's genetic. Some of it is because of drug usage and drug addictions and things like that. But we need to develop our legislators, our state legislators and our federal legislators. They need to get some kind of mental health laws passed where you can have long-term, even permanent commitment of the severely mentally ill involuntarily committed into mental health facilities that will truly be compassionate and care for these people and prevent them from harming themselves and other people. We just don't have a mental health system and we badly need one. We've needed one for a number of decades now. Tell us about any current or upcoming projects that you're working on that people need to know about. Well, um, my book was the biggest thing. Was That took me Oh, about nine years, eight and a half years to write. And that was my biggest project. My uh, ongoing projects are really working with our legislators, working to promote the issues that I brought up in my book, um, to educate the public, to support other victims that are going through these difficulties. Uh, I blog 
So I am writing about this continuously uh, and trying to encourage other people who have been victimized to speak up, to join with others, and just encourage people to don't give up. Just keep fighting and don't give up. So uh, that's pretty much what I'm, I'm doing at present. Well, throw out any websites and social media links so people can stay connected with you and keep up that you're doing to fight this fight. Yeah, I have um, three websites. I have stopabusivelawsuits.com and I have stopreligiousfrauds.com. And of course, I have my book website, which is fightingforjusticebook.com. I, I am on LinkedIn and on Goodreads, but I have to say, I just, I'm, I'm just not a big social media person. Uh, and I just, I'm really, I kind of check in periodically with those things, but people can contact me through the contact page of my two websites, uh, stopabusivelawsuits.com and stopreligiousfrauds.com. Okay, close us out with any final thoughts that you might have, maybe something that we didn't talk about that you would like to touch on or just any final thoughts? I just, I just want to encourage people, if you're in a bad spot, get the help that you need. There are people out there especially if you're having suicidal thoughts. I I have had experience with those fleeting thoughts of just wanting to end it all and escape. Ladies and gentlemen, Paulette Buchanan, please be sure to follow, rate, review, share this episode to anybody who might be going through a rough time or an abusive lawsuit or any other issues and topics that Paulette talked about on the show today. And Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store, and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.